than what we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica. go back in the studio and added, little, added a regression. A little addition. We learned very quickly it's hard to say the word regression yeah. in, in like a, a sexy sexually, way. Sexually, yeah, I can do it. Charged way. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's, that's regression. Cool. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. She get rough to yeah, that, that, eh? It was just us yeah. that was struggling. Yeah. Talk sexy to me, baby. It's like Talk borderline creepy. It's good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like most of the song. <laughs> we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, we are in hour three of the program. Do we have Drancer on hold? No, he's he's lost in the wind somewhere. We don't know where Drancer is. He's really regressing. Hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at Campbell-Pound.com today. So no Drancer at the moment. We can dive right into all of the Canucks talk that we will eventually hopefully get to with Drance. I guess the big question that we're going to ask him right off the hop is what's the biggest lineup decision that Rick Tockett has tonight? Because there's two. There's two pressing ones, really. I think everyone understands that even if he's not necessarily considering dropping Kuzmenko from the lineup, everyone else thinks that he is. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's the playbook now because once you do the healthy scratch, you open up a Pandora's box, if you will. The box, the box. But you do because once you cross that threshold, you can go back to it. Yeah. Once you've made the move, once you've cut, made the cut, it's easy to go back to it because mm-hmm. it's like, well, I've already done it before. I've already faced it's not, it. It's not, a hu- it's not a huge deal. Right. Although there is going to The first cut is the deepest, baby, I know. But after that, it gets easier. But don't you think eventually, I'm not saying it's coming tonight, but does there then become a breaking point between the player and the team? Yeah, like if you want to play this out. And the only reason we're going to I wonder what now, assistant GM Dan Milstein thinks of all this. He's like, I put this team together and you're healthy scratching one of my guys. I will not bring my clients here continually <laughs> if you continually treat them like this. No, all those dynamics are in play. I think the Milstein thing's actually really interesting because it's a two-parter. One, he has brought a lot of his clients to the Canucks to the point where we joke that he's the assistant general manager. But two... He's not shy about being outspoken, especially on social media, when his clients aren't happy. That's mm-hmm. how Nikita Zadorov ended up in Vancouver, right? Yeah, but I think that one got out there, and he just kind of confirmed it. Like, I don't think he Alan Walsh did. Uh, I got a feeling he might have had something to do with it getting out there. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. like, let's not kid ourselves here. There's, there's a few different types of agents in the NHL. We've seen them throughout time. Uh, there's guys that prefer to do... Quiet, understated work behind the scenes. And then there's guys that are a little bit more brash and brazen and want to get their name out there in order to attract themselves to more clients and are willing to go the extra mile. In the case of Alan Walsh, he used artwork. In the case of Dan Milstein, uh, he uses Dolly Wall. But the, (laughs) the point being is these guys know how to get themselves out there. And 
if you've got an unhappy client, and I do think there's a bigger conversation to be had here, and we've touched on it with regards to player empowerment, players speaking up more. Mm-hmm. I think a big facet of that is letting the agent do the work for you. If you want something out there, but you don't necessarily want to be the guy putting it out there, that's where you turn to your agent. You're like, you know that 10%, 15% you take off my contract? Yeah. Time to start earning it. Go out there and make some noise for me. It's... It. It's a big step to take, though. Once you do that and you empower your agent to go out there and make things happen, there's a good chance it's going to get public. Right. And listen, it doesn't always happen. We've seen it in Vancouver. How many times have we heard that, you know, some Canucks agent has been given permission to try and make a trade, right? Like ben Hankinson and Brock Besser. Yeah, exactly. Right? Sometimes it just doesn't happen. I, I have no idea what a guy like Kuzmenko's uh, trade value would be the cap is still flat. Like it hasn't gone up yet, right? There's most teams are still very tight to the cap, so it's a complicated move. And there are probably some teams that say, "Well, you know, Rick Tockett's a pretty good coach. I have a lot of respect for Rick Tockett. So if he thinks this guy's a problem, then well, maybe he's a problem. Maybe he's not playing the way that you need to in order to be successful in the NHL. I think Tockett probably has more." credibility with most NHL organizations than Andre Kuzmenko does. Now, that being said, there are some teams that desperately need scoring, right? And a guy like Andre Kuzmenko, who's coming off a season where he nearly scored 40, might be appealing to them. Um, but before we get to this, like, we're not at this stage yet. No, 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 right? no, no, no. We're not at this. But, but, but what I'm saying is that you had the back-to-back healthy scratches, and that was one thing. And Dan Milstein said, you know, it's not a big deal. Uh, we're going through the process. Uh, Andre Kuzmenko, you know, Kuzmenko wants to be a better player in the NHL. We like the organization. I mean, listen, Milstein's got a great relationship with the Canucks, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I'm, I'm, so, and he's been very um, uh, complimentary of how the Canucks have run things under Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford and the coaching staff. So, so far, things have been good. But I'm just wondering if, like, another healthy scratch, right? It's kind of like the uh, eventually there's a straw that breaks the camel's back. So we don't have Drancer right now. So we're going to do some what we learns. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have Drancer today, but I want to do a few what we learns because I want to start with baseball. And I want to bring Laddie into this conversation because Juan Soto is a member of the New York Yankees. That was what we all expected to happen. I know there were some people that thought like Juan Soto might be a plan B for the Jays if they don't end up getting Shohei Otani, but it seemed like Soto was always going to the Yankees. Um, What do you think of this trade and what the Yankees had to give up in order to get him? Um, Well, I think you give up whatever you can to get a guy like Juan Soto, and he's kind of the perfect fit, left-handed bat for that stadium hits right in front of Aaron Judge that's a pretty formidable one-two punch there right in the middle of their lineup so not a guarantee that they're going to make the playoffs or even be a good team but certainly helps their cause and is there an expectation that he's going to stay there uh I think it depends how that first year goes honestly I think if you're Soto you if you you dip your toe in and see hey I might like it here long term but he's definitely going to the market so you will hear every offer that's sent his way so it's Thursday today uh, Otani, there have been reports out there, uh, the likes of John Morosi, that say the Otani thing is probably going to get wrapped up by this weekend. Now, mm. 
there can always be delays. You're speaking, of you're course, Otani to Toronto is going to wrap up. By the Otani, end. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's yeah, finalized yeah. going to be the end of a the decision uh, made. I just wonder, I mean, the reaction, regardless of what happens, is going to be huge. Obviously, if they sign him, it'll be the bigger reaction. Like the, the plans that this organization, they're going to have to hire people. They really will. They will have to hire people in marketing and sponsorship and ticket sales. Like it will be a massive deal mm-hmm. for the Toronto Blue Jays. And <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people there. Like there's going to be a lot of Blue Jays talk, isn't there? It's like, yep, there's going to be a lot of Blue well, Jays it's, talk. It's, but, but if they don't get them, I also think that's a huge deal. Because this is a management group that lost a lot of credibility with the fan base. And there was a lot of criticism for just how the Jays ran last season, um, how things went overall. The expectations were not met. Mm -hmm. And I'd say the expectations were really not even close to being met. And then all of a sudden you're saying, okay, well, we just imagined Shohei Otani in our lineup. Uh, what's plan B? Because Juan well, Soto so isn't gone. available yeah. anymore. Like, is plan B just be like, well, we hope Manoa bounces back? So a couple things here. Given the return that San Diego got for Soto, I know I get what you're saying. If you can get Juan Soto, get Juan Soto. But let's be clear, the Yankees might only be getting one year of Juan Soto. That was what scared me about the Jays potentially getting in there is all of a sudden you become the Kawhi Leonard Raptors year where it's like, we have a ton mm-hmm. of pressure to get it done this year because Soto's going to free agency. They gave up a lot of pitching. They gave up their top pitching prospect and Michael King, who's, I mean, his record wasn't great last year, but he had a good ERA. So I'm looking at it. And I'm saying maybe it wasn't a bad thing that the Jays didn't get involved in the Soto thing. But you bring up a good point is that if you strike out on two fronts here, no Tani, no Soto, you're going to have to do some real legwork with your fan base, either in explaining that, you know, the the offseason didn't work out the way that we wanted, but we're still going to do things. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you just have that come to Jesus moment where you're like, we tried as hard as we could to get the biggest free agent potentially of all time. And we went right down to the wire. We just fell short. Now it's time to regroup. That's a tough thing to admit. Trades are office. also possible too, right? Like everyone looks at who's left in the free agent market, but who knows what kind of deal yeah. they can work out. They have a lot of draft players in their lineup that are capital that they can use for a trade like sure. that. So, so here's kind of a silly question, but... Um, Let's get silly. Let's get well, wacky. We all know the business case for the Jays paying whatever they're going to have to pay for Otani. It could be like half a billion dollars more than that. Million. Yeah, something like that. We all know the business case. We've heard it, right? They're doing a big renovation... Um, at the stadium, they're, they've got a bunch of premium seats that they're trying to sell and they want the five-year commitments and what better way to go to some of the big money clients or ticket buyers and say, listen, we got, we got, you know, the next Babe Ruth. We yep. signed, like, do you want to come watch that? Like, I, I feel like your clients, if you want to take your clients to these premium seats, like that's going to be a, a good deal, mm-hmm. right? What's in it for the Dodgers? Like, how? Ha- I know they, they're always trying to win, right? And that is, but like, that stadium is already full. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just curious, like, for, purely from a business perspective, I know that they're just the team that just, like, wants to keep winning. Well, but you go, you go from a big deal. But, but isn't, the, isn't there, like, almost a stronger business case or a stronger business need for the Jays? than the Dodgers. In terms of gate, I think so. I think, Like you said, the Dodgers don't have any problems with that. But you you go from just being a, a big deal on the West Coast, adding Otani to your team, you're now a big deal globally. And I think that the money that comes in from that and the attention is what I'd they're looking for. I'd be curious to know how you monetize it. 
I can address this from a baseball perspective, if you want, not the business perspective. Baseball yeah. is pretty easy. Is they've fallen woefully short three years in a row. Mm-hmm. Dave Roberts is his ass is in the jackpot as it was because there are major questions. And granted, the pitching let them down this year. So and Otani's not going to pitch until twenty twenty five. So that's not going to help in the immediacy. But the Dodgers, there's now some real unrest among a, a fan base that as expects a certain level of excellence and has seen them fall short. I mean, they're basically the Yankees of the West Coast now with the amount that they spend. I consider them a bigger spender than the Yankees now. Right, but know? there's there's the the understanding of excellence with the Yankees. Is that the Yankees don't rebuild. The Yankees don't tank and, you know, try and build through the draft. The Yankees, are there's a sustained level of perceived excellence. With the Dodgers now, regular season's not a problem. They are going to win 100 games. And you can write that in pen. The key is when they go to the postseason, why do they continually fall short? And again, I don't know if Otani fixes that. Certainly going to make them a better ball club. But that's where the Dodgers are at in their evolution is how are we going to win World Series? And I I don't like this weird sentiment that you get in hockey too where you you got too much offense on this team. Why why are you adding more offense? You can never have too much offense. You just keep adding, keep adding. Can never suck too many dingers. It's the way to do it. You always want more dingers. Anyone that can suck dingers. That's why why anyone would be upset about a team adding more offensive punch to their team. Right? The Dodgers have made the playoffs 10 consecutive years. Since 2013 to last year, Mm -hmm. in the playoffs every year, they have one World Series. Right, and that was the pandemic World Series. The, the short for me so, as a Jays fan, though, my attention turns to third base. You know, who who do they get to to fill in there? Is it do they bring Chapman back? That's another mm-hmm. big spend that they'll have to make. Is, is he even the guy that you want to bring back? So. Right. Buff and Colonna text in. Why do the Jays have to explain anything if they miss on Soto and Otani? I didn't go into the offseason expecting the Jays to make either move. I don't think until a week ago, Jays fans were expecting those level of additions. Well, I, Buff, I, things have changed. Yeah. The game done changed. Right. They're in the Otani sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. And, and people get people get their hopes up and then they start wondering, okay, well, why didn't Otani choose the Jays? Mm-hmm. And it might be a matter of, it's probably not going to be money. It might just be a matter of, well, the Dodgers are a pretty high profile team and Otani was already in the Los Angeles area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now he gets to stay. Um, but I, I just, Granger. listen, the, the vibes were not good for the Jays last season. They weren't. Nope. People didn't like the people, team. People, people did not like the team. They were... Um, Laddie didn't like the team. Yeah, Laddie was like... You're frustrated. I liked yeah. the team. I didn't like the results. Yeah, you were frustrated. No, you were getting frustrated with some with a lot of it, though. Well, right? like the, the mindset of the team and just how they got all verklempt with runners in scoring position. No, no, no grind clear, set. No grind set. That was it. Last year. it was a no clear lack set. of grind so I, set. So I think at the end of the season, there was a lot of pressure on the management and by extension, the ownership to do something about it. Okay, Drant's not being here. Uh, we can bang through a lot of different things. We do have a lot of what we learned. And yeah, a lot you of don't, don't worry about Drant's anymore. He's, yeah. it's, he's, he's, he's done. He's I don't want to say dead to me, but it's pretty close. Yeah. Um, Patrick Kane is going to make his Detroit Red Wings debut tonight. He gets to do it against a terrible opponent in the San Jose Sharks. Way to cherry pick your debut there, Patrick Kane. Uh, I am actually really curious about this. I don't know how much Kane has left in the tank. He's old. For He's the, just had that surgery. He, he had hip resurfacing. There's a very real chance that he gets out there and he kind of looks like the Tin Man, and it's disappointing because he was such a dynamic player. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest stick handlers I've ever seen live. It is funny, though, how he reunited with Panarin, and now he's reunited with Debrinket. And they are putting him in a position to be prominent on this team. He's going to play on a line with Dylan Larkin and Alex Debrinket. There's no... That's e- the line? That's the line. There's no easing him into this, right? They are going to... 
go full steam. Now, the reason I bring this up is twofold. One, Patrick Kane, um, you know, one of the greatest players of this past generation, right? Multiple Stanley Cup winner. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. That's not a question. The interesting thing for me is it's on this particular team because of the three teams in that Atlantic division that we thought were going to take a jump forward, they were Detroit, Buffalo, and Ottawa. And through the first quarter of this NHL season, Detroit's done a way better job of jumping forward than Buffalo and Ottawa to the point where that lengthy playoff drought for the Red Wings looks like it might come to an end this year. Patrick Kane could... And I stress could make this team a really interesting one. They, right now, they're a curiosity to me. I'm not watching Red Wings games right now. I'm not circling them. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting on the PVR. Not that anyone does it anymore anyway. You're, you're not committing to getting emotionally involved in with I'll the ju- Red Wings. I, I, not even emotionally, just like in, intellectually involved. Even. Yeah. Like, you got to remember, um, a decade ago now, it feels like a long time, the Detroit Red Wings were awesome to watch because they had Datsuk and Zetterberg. Yeah. And they, I was and, showing the boy uh, some Datsuk videos, his top ten goals. God, he was incredible. Yeah, he was. And in the last ten years, they've kind of been like whatever. Yeah. When you started to see the the la- and, re- and really the last few years of that playoff streak, it was very clearly they were just trying to keep the streak alive, right? Like they were getting into the playoffs with no chance of winning. They just wanted to keep the streak alive. Then they're like, okay, this has to end. We're going to rebuild as a franchise with and, uh, Gustav Nyquist and Thomas Tatar. Yeah, like God bless them for trying. And I understand the, the, <laughs> that's the confidence of a fan base where everything always turns out. They're like, oh yeah, yeah Tatar and Nyquist will re- just replace Datsuk and 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 uh, Zetterberg. And, Jimmy Howard was in net. And yeah. He was like just carrying them to the playoffs. Justin Abdelkader, Danny DeKaiser, Darren Helm. Yeah, Danny. DeKaiser was going to replace uh, Nick Lidstrom. That was the plan. Yeah. Right? They had all like, these well, guys. the Red Wing way. Yeah. And then we're like, this isn't going to work. These guys aren't really high-end draft picks. Then they went out and got a bunch, and now they're back. But I'll be very curious to see what kind of impact um, Patrick Kane has on this team. And I'll, I'll close it by saying I'm super skeptical. Just because I've seen this before. Yeah. I've seen guys come back from the surgery before, and it doesn't go well. And I've seen guys try and put... I, ho- I hope it works, though. Yeah. Patrick, Patrick Kane, listen, I know the Canucks had some battles with Patrick Kane, but he is and always has been like an on the ice, a treat to watch. Like, he is one of the best stick handlers I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. Um, and, you know, to for, for the great players, like the first ballot Hall of Fame guy to go out with an injury and just not look like yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you don't really want to see that. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some bitter, no, 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 bitter no. old Canucks no, no, fans no. do, but uh, or some people that take you know issue with his personality or whatever. But I think Patrick Kane has grown up a lot mm. as an NHL player. Yeah. Um, other news from the NHL that we didn't get to real quick. I'll just bang through because we're right up against it for time for the break. Uh, in case you missed it, Klingberg done for the year in Toronto. We talked about the trade ramifications there, and if you go read Elliot's brand new Thirty Two Thoughts, which is out now. At sportsnet.ca. It, I mean, all Tree Living is dealing with now is Nylander talk and how are you going to trade to improve your blue line? That's it. And he's getting bombarded. He was on he was on with Bourne and Kipper yesterday, and he made it very clear that they're doing everything they can to re-sign Nylander. And good on William Nylander for being like, I'm going to have the most amazing year of my career in a play in a contract year. Like good on I think his old man did the same thing. 
with the Washington Capitals back in the day, had it like a, a break, a really great year going into a contract year. But so there's that. The other thing is that the Leafs are going to have to improve this blue line. Not only was it not good to begin with, but now it's been hit by injury. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about how few regulation wins they have, how many games that they've had to win in overtime in the shootout, if that's sustainable over 82 games, if you can continue to play this much hockey with this thin of blue line. So keep an eye on that. Uh, Also, the Jacques Martin thing in Ottawa, which happened yesterday, and I was like, are we going to mention this or not? I'll mention it briefly. He's the winningest and I think most famous coach in Sens history. All due respect to, remember Paul McLean's mustache? (laughs) <laughs> and the guy that sat behind him that looked yes. exactly like Paul McClain. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jacques Martin's back at age 71. And the only reason I bring this up is because this news came out shortly after Michael Anlauer, the new owner, at the Board of Governors meeting, openly acknowledged that the fans weren't happy with DJ Smith. Mm-hmm. And he's like, how do I you know, quell the fires, like put the flames out on this one? I know. I'm going to bring the most famous coach in franchise history back. But also a defensive mind. Right. That's the other part of this too, right? So keep an eye on uh, DJ King's... I, I don't think DJ King is going to last the season. Or DJ long. Smith. Am I seeing DJ King? Yeah. You remember him? Yeah, I do remember DJ yeah. King. Yeah. He was Dwight King's brother. He played in the NHL for a while. Wow. Uh, give us a mookal on all that. I've got one too. And just a reminder, get your What We Learned into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We are giving away Canucks tickets. This is the game against Tampa Bay next week. So I think, is it on Tuesday? I think it's on Tuesday. Tuesday, December 12th, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena, Canucks and Bolts. So uh, get your What We Learned in. Use the ticket emoji if you want to be entered into the contest for Best What We Learned. Get those tickets. Uh, We'll pick the winner in about, I don't know, seven minutes. So get them in quick. Um, John Rom, according to the Wall Street Journal, it's done. He's going to live. Dang. He's so, going to live. So this is, <laughs> I, I'm sure it'll be for hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, but this is kind of like, like the live thing has not gone away. Yeah, what I thought right? live was dead. No, but no. live is live. When it's they, alive. When it's they a put, live. When they put that deal together, I think a lot of people were, first of all, confused about what the deal is and also wondering, like, is this going to go through? Right. Is is there going to is the PGA tour ultimately going to end up with the Saudis investing a bunch of money in their tour? So it's a still still a really confusing time in the world of professional golf. But the PGA tour and maybe losing a guy like John Rahm speeds up the process of getting something done. But this is one of the best players on tour, really one of the spokespersons for the PGA Tour. And now when you think about it, like Liv has a number of the top, like legit top golfers in the world, right? And Cam- Cameron Smith and uh, Brooks Kepka and John Rahm, like those are legit guys. They aren't the kind of like over the hill, like, yeah, we got Lee Westwood. He's pretty old now. We got Ian Poulter. He's pretty old now. Like they've got, and and it's going to start affecting, if it hasn't already, just the quality of fields that the PGA Tour can put together. I have a question though. Is this one going to, as the kids say, hit different because Rom was such a vocal defender of the PGA Tour? Possibly. Like this just is to me, Mm -hmm. he wasn't, he's not Rory. It's not like Rory joining Liv, but he was pretty outspoken. But he came out and said like, I've made my decision and I'm sticking with the PGA Tour. Well, right. 
Like that's what I'm saying. This and this and feels like, like a hit. And then he's like, yeah, but money. Like he's like Kepka. <laughs> Kepka was like Kepka would play anywhere. I think as long as the money and the the, the ability to win. Well, I think Kepka was different because at the time that he made that decision, his game was not where it needed to be, and he was like, oh my god, like am I? You know, in golf, like sometimes you, we've seen guys, they just lose it, right? Yeah. And and he was like, I have to, I have to do this now, like I, or at least he felt it. He didn't have to, yeah, but he felt it, right? John Rahm is still like he's, he, it's not like his game has fallen off like it did for Kepka. So I think uh, Cam Smith going was a big deal, and I think John Rahm going is an even bigger deal. Okay, uh, we are up against it for time. When we come back, what we learned, Humanoid Edition. We're going to give away a pair of tickets for the Canucks and Tampa Bay Lightning on Tuesday, December 12th at Rogers Arena. Best what we learned gets them. Get your what we learned in. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time on the show. 8.33 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound? Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. What we learns, dog edition. Just one today, but it's from Laddie. You also pulled from the content farm that is 32 Thoughts. Mm-hmm. What do you got for us? And this one's actually, uh, you get to hat tip to Don Stramati in this one. But it was uh, Devin Levi, I learned, has been told by the NHL he can no longer do his meditation and kneel in front of his crease. He does it during TV timeouts, right? During TV timeouts, he likes to meditate. So he goes down on his knees and closes his eyes right in front of his crease. I think he turns and actually faces the net. Mm -hmm. He's at the top of his crease, kind of in the slot area. He puts some headphones in, has a YouTube guided meditation that he does. The league has taken the important matters in hand and said, cut it out. Why? Do we know? They need to shovel that area. Uh, And he's got to get out of there. And now how does Dom Shramati feel? uh, He he gave, (laughs) was in the... 32 thought the, yeah. the writing he put that because uh, he, he's a Star Wars fan that's yes. why he was meditating he was clearly playing 4D Dejeric which apparently is the Star Wars for chess. chess I'm looking at A-Dog A-Dog uh, and he, he says hat tip wow, to Dom Shamati I don't know that for that <laughs> So I'm, again, I'm a huge nerd. I know. I should know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> All right. So there you well. go. That, that's the important things that the NHL uh, front office is working on these days. They're telling goalies is, that they need to move where they are resting. Is Levi a guy we could keep our eye on to play for Canada one day? He was one that I was going to bring up. But and, he's in the minors. Right now. He's back now. He's, he's also he's playing back? for Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. Um, Only 21 years old. Have you ever tried meditation? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, have you looked at him? Yeah. <laughs> what? Look at me. Look at him. I'm totally zen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know Rough. about meditation, but I meditation? like meditation. I don't know. I like the uh, float tank. 
I think that would terrify my brother. Did it? He said it was unsettling. Yeah, yeah. Really? Uh, confined spaces. It's not confined though. It's you're dark. You, you feel it, like you're in an open. Yeah, like you're floating yeah. in the ocean. He said he didn't. But, but <laughs> bruff, you've actually yeah. meditated. Yeah. Like really? Yeah. Did you find it work? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it works. Um, sure. I, I, I think I got I, a lot of time on my hands during the day. I was like. <laughs> People are like you need to find some time to uh, meditate. I'm like, yeah, I got that. Yeah, I got about no nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does work. Yeah, it's, okay. wor- it's, it's worth looking into. Doesn't uh, solve all your problems. Works for Levi. So. Yeah, yeah it works right. for me. Uh, okay, mook out that. Just don't do it in the slot area. Right. There's certain places to meditate and certain places not to meditate. Uh, okay, let's fire up the dot matrix. Print out some humanoid submissions for what we learned. What we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! A-Dog, fire up the winner. The winner for a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Tampa Bay Lightning on Tuesday, December 12th, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. We're giving away a pair of tickets now to... Uh, what we learned, ticket emoji. There is a new best name in sports, Kool-Aid McKinstry, CB from Alabama, looking to quench my thirst to go to my first Canucks game. Winning these tickets would make me exclaim, oh, yeah, Kool-Aid man voice, an exclamation, uh, in the middle of work. Love the show, Brendan G. from Burke Mountain. Brendan from Burke Mountain. Yeah, that's a good job. So one, one more time on the name. Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid McKinstry. McKinstry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that guy. That was actually him is, speaking. Is that, his, is that his given name, Kool-Aid? Mm-hmm. I think it's his birth name. It's his no, legal name. No, it can't be. Can't Kool-Aid be. Let's, let's go with it. Don't research. <laughs> well, okay. His real name is not Kool-Aid. His, Come on. <laughs> okay. I, I'm Come not on. making this up. His real name is Jaquincy. G-A apostrophe Q-U-I-N-C-Y. For so Jaquincy. Read, so read the, read the whole, whole name with his real name? <laughs> McKinstry was nicknamed Kool-Aid by his grandmother as a baby because his smile reminded her of the Kool-Aid man. No, but his first name is what? Jaquincy. So what's his full How name? I was his What's his full name? Jaquincy McKinstry. That's almost better. That's I know. A mouthful. Why would you need oh, a nickname? He kind of looks name... like the Kool-Aid man. Sir, you're stealing all the cool names. <laughs> first off, your name was Jaquincy McKinstry, and now you've got the nickname Kool-Aid. By the way, that's not the... Um, not the best name in collegiate sports right now. So what is co- it? college basketball is fully underway. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the content creators for college basketball are coming out with their all name teams. And there is a freshman guard from the Cincinnati Bearcats named Jizzle James. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Jizzle James. Jizzle wants the ball. Jizzle, that, jizzle the ball. Jizzle, Jizzle's what Jizzle wants. His, uh, his real name is uh, Kool-Aid. Yeah. Did you know that? No, okay, but what's Jizzle's actual name? I don't know. Uh, jizzle. <laughs> yeah. His last name is James. His grandma saw him when he was a kid. Was oh, no, like, no, no, stop. <laughs> what sport is this? Rough and trouble. Basketball? Basketball, yeah. He slams down. You just got jizzled. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, you just got posterized by Jizzle. <laughs> By the way, oh, I've seen God. magazines like that. Oh, no. <laughs> By the way, actually, I did more research on this. You know what his actual name is? What? Edgerin James. Oh, what? my God. Yeah. What is it? That's awesome. Edgerin, Edgerin James. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I don't huh. think it's Edgerin Hey, dog, who's that? Who's, who's Edgerin James? Jizzle? <laughs> well, All technically, right. he's right. Oh, 
It is Edger and James's kid. Yeah, I was going to say learning it. everything. It's got to yeah. be his kid. Yeah. yeah. Wow. There you go. Jizzle James. Go check him out. Cincinnati Bearcats. Seven games already this season. Okay. Uh, basketball Mook, Phil. Uh, Mukau, I guess. No, no, no. Oh, no. That's Mukau. It's a listener. Oh, listen? man. You may be Mukau a listener. On. It's okay. Brandon got the full experience. By the way, Burke Mountain um, in Coquitlam. I learned that today. I did not know that. Basketball Phil. What we learned, Jamal Adams needs to go. He sucks on the field, and now he's taking cheap shots at reporters, wives, or girlfriends if they are critical of his play and is doubling down on his decision to do so, even after Pete Carroll had a talk with him about it. He is a complete clown, that says was Basketball not, Phil. I mean, okay. The only reason I tried to... Don't try and defend I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. But it seemed like it was the most cliched, easiest thing to do to be like, stay classy, Jamal Adams. And I wanted to try and take a different tact on this. Why? Because I think what happened here... He's been like the hugest... He's been a massive disappointment for the Seahawks. And he's acting like an absolute idiot in this situation. I wanted to provide some social commentary, Jason. Oh, okay. Good. I think maybe that don't, maybe don't post uh, a picture of a reporter or anyone's wife or girlfriend and suggest they are ugly. Maybe the, just don't do that, and maybe that's the end of the story. Because my big take, what did, what did she do to deserve that? My big takeaway from this was in the aftermath, after having a talking to from Pete Carroll and being largely condemned for what was a pretty dumb and reckless act, if we're being honest, cruel, cruel, um, him back down. And I thought that was strange. So I was kind of reading more. I'm like, why is he sticking to his guns on this? Like, is Pete losing the room? I'm, I, I, that's an honest question. Because remember, DK Metcalf had a kind of similar response when, you know, Pete was talking about the penalties and his, Pete's got the penalty chart. And then um, DK kind of pushed back on it eventually. Yeah, I don't you know, know if that's where I was going to go with this. I was going to go with it that um, <laughs> Jamal Adams, his defense for all of this is that this guy was coming after me personally, and I, he's got a history of coming after me personally and with disrespect. So I'm just showing disrespect back. And it wasn't necessarily that. I think that he, the, what was really lost on Jamal Adams is like, you made this like weirdly personal, but in social media and internet parlance and practices, that's kind of become the norm. Like there's mm. no, um, there's no line anymore. You know how we talk about like habitual line steppers or you cross the line or you stepped across the line uh, in, in social media with dunking, like everyone wants to either dunk on someone or save the receipts to use at a later time. It, and it really boils down to like, I want to, I want to emerge the victor or I yeah. want to have the mic drop moment. And when you frame it like that, it becomes a really sort of seedy underbelly where it doesn't matter what you say as long as you kind of emerge. And that's bad. I mean, I that's think a there, bad I, I think there's a down. line in my mind, and he crossed it. L listen, listen. If I was a professional athlete, I would probably get pretty frustrated with the way that, you know, fans are fans, but media sometimes, and we have to check ourselves. Like, we have to remember that these are Before real you wreck people. Yourself? Please be quiet for one second. <laughs> And this is like you have to check yourself before you, you know, make fun of someone right. um, in a way that's like cruel because you have to remember that they are people they're you know, yes, they get paid a lot of money, but that doesn't give you the excuse to just like say like cruel stuff, especially if you're media. Like if you, you have a responsibility as media, mm -hmm. but I can't think of anything that this guy did in his criticism of Jamal Adams which would have made a guy with 
hundreds of thousands of followers post a picture of this guy's wife right. and insinuating that she's ugly. Yeah. Like w- that's that's like only you you get to do that to one person in the world and that's Ted Cruz. Right. That's the only person you can do that and he will just take it. Repeatedly right? like, too. Yeah, just re- <laughs> You got a dog wife, Ted. <laughs> That's Shane Gillis, by the way. You got to check out that Looks guy's like a comedy. Dog. Looks like <laughs> such a good. You got bit. a dog wife, Ted. She's everyone, a dog. Ev- everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. But like, we're laughing about it. But like, can you imagine what? Like, can can you imagine being, you know, this reporter's well, wife? We and she's talking, like, what the hell? Like, we, yeah. we were texting about it yesterday. Was, we're like, yeah. can you imagine the hell week that that reporter must have had? Now, some people are going to say, "Oh, he deserved it." Stupid media. And again, there's a line. And unfortunately for society, that line gets more and more blurred every day. There's not many Seahawks fans sticking up for Jamal Adams. No, maybe if he was good. Yeah, well, that also—that's another thing too. Uh, Chef Stephen in healthcare. What we learn: more and more golfers will go to live because they are able to wear shorts, and the old guys at the PGA will die before they let that happen. I don't know if shorts is the thing that's getting them to live. Billions of dollars that just go immediately into their bank account. I googled the John Rom proposed deal. Parents could reach as high as five hundred million, which feels like a lot. That's Otani money. money. Think how many shorts you can buy with that, though. Yeah. Oh, they're, by the way, Liv's also announcing the team. They're still sticking with the team thing, eh? Because they're announcing their new their their new lineups for their teams, mm-hmm. which just some of the worst names in the history of professional sports on those. those Do you teams. think when the PGA Tour, someone suggested this in the text inbox, and I'm sorry, I've, I've lost your text, but it was a great text. It was a lot of jizzle text. They suggested that um, because the PGA Tour went and made that deal, with the Saudis. Like they, they fought the Saudis for, you know, years and years and said all these terrible things about them. And then they were like, okay, actually, let's do a deal. Do you think that made the players think, like, well, if the league is going to do it or the tour is going to do it, then why should I feel bad about it? Like oh, if, Rom, yeah. if Rom is, you know, if a lot of people will say, like, Rom originally said he was against it. And I was like, well, so did the PGA Tour. I mean, look. I- the PGA Tour came out looking terrible in, all, in my perspective. Yeah. It's because they made the big-time, big-time mistake, and Jay Monahan was right at the forefront of this, of playing the moral card and then quickly capitulating when money became Well, yeah, to be fair, like I could be against something, but if he gave me $500 million, I'd probably reverse it pretty quickly. But they would you kill someone for five hundred million dollars? Yeah, you dog. Are they would they be slow and easy to kill? <laughs> Not even like are wow. they a bad person? Are they easy <laughs> yeah. to kill? Oh man, I mean, it's five hundred million dollars we're talking about here. Back wasn't there the, that? Wasn't that there? Wait, are there legal ramifications to this? Wasn't yeah, there a movie involving uh, involving featuring like Jason Bateman where you could press it involved him. You could press a button and someone that you didn't know around the world died. But you got a million dollars, so you didn't know who they were. Mm. But like, yeah, I you press that. that button. That movie, I remember it. Yeah, yeah. it cool. weighs on your mind. Cool Runnings. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, a classic. Yeah, that's one of the. Yeah, it was that cool was Runnings. That was the scrap. That ending. was the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was good. John Real Candy Sophie's choice. Yeah. Um, okay, there's one here that I just sorry. Just give me one second. I did have it. I did have it. Oh my god! Why are you so bad at this? Yeah. Steve from Burnaby. Uh, hashtag WWL what we learned uh, the NBA in-season tournament looks like a success which naturally means the NHL will quickly adopt it just like NFTs <laughs> hello and welcome to the 2028 NHL in-season cup so Gary Bettman and Bill Daly were asked about this at the Board of Governors meeting right 
because, you know, the in-season tournament, God bless the NBA for somehow managing to make this thing work. I I know we talked about this yesterday, but I had no expectations, Mm -hmm. no expectations that this thing would catch on. Don't you think the key, though, has been that the players have bought bought in? Yeah. Tyrese Halliburton is like the breakout star of the in-season tournament. Mm-hmm. They're all excited to go to Vegas for the final four. I Again, um, sometimes I maybe have given the NBA too much love and plaudits about always trying to reinvent itself because you can go away from your core tenets when you do that. But if you're not thinking progressively and moving forward in the professional sports realm, to me... I feel like you're going to run the risk of falling behind or losing a future generation of audience. Like, I think you need to change with your audience sometimes. So the the NHL's in-season tourney, instead of awarding a trophy, they'll award an NFT? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Like, didn't the... uh, the, (laughs) Here's an NFT for all your troubles. Congratulations, you won the tournament. Based on the NHL's timeline, like, they will come out with an NHL-themed ape to sell next year. Right, like it'll be that's that's where they're at. Yeah. Like they're so far behind. The winner of the tourney gets a TiVo. Right. Well, I don't know if they're going to have the in-season tournament because they they're just going to focus so much, I think, on the international calendar. Right, and they need to um, they need to make this work. Yeah, their international calendar with what they're going to do, they need to make this thing hit. Uh, I don't want to read this one, but we didn't have Drance on the show. I'm not sure what happened to Drance. Hope he's okay. Uh, he was supposed to join us at eight o'clock. He didn't. Unsign what we learned. Drance was right, and he's always right. I don't know about that second part, but uh, Drance texted him. Yeah, it might have been Drance. Yeah, um, last year at the deadline, the text continues. He said it made sense to trade Kuzmenko, and many laughed at him. He would have netted a first-rounder and a prospect, not to mention the opportunity cost from not wasting $5 million per year in cap space on him this year. Well done, Drance. Well, first of all, we don't know what he would have returned in a trade. Mm-hmm. A first-rounder and a prospect? How do you know? But I will say right now that it will be very, very unfortunate if the Canucks have lost the value of Kuzmenko. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he was... He was certainly a valuable player last year considering the contract that he was playing on. Um, and the reason why I say you can't guarantee he would have returned is, first of all, the Canucks like never put Kuzmenko out there. There were never really any rumors of any returns. People said a first, but who knows, right? Like I always thought like if you're a team that's ramping up for the playoffs, do you know what Kuzmenko is going to be in the playoffs with that style that he plays? And- I still think we're a ways away from the even the possibility of trading him, right? I think things are going to have to get a lot more untenable before. Yeah, because we're going to need to hear some angry words from Kuzmenko's side. Because in my mind right now, um, this is still very much a, a thing where it's like, well, we're going to still work with him. And, you know, talk it. I think last game, his dismissal of Kuzmenko questions and everything was more out of frustration in the moment because they had just lost. Like, I think he still will go to some of those core answers, which is like, Kuzi's still the second-year player in the league. He still, he wants to work on these things. He wants to be better. His attitude is good. He's still smiling. 
I just wonder at a certain point if the agent does get involved, but we're still a ways away from that. I think I just want to make that abundant. I like this text from Justin East Van. What we learned, a former Jacksonville Jaguars employee allegedly stole more than $22 million from the team. He exploited the organization's virtual credit card program to buy two vehicles and a condo. He also bought cryptocurrency and placed bets with online gambling sites. He was still a better hire than Urban Meyer. Yeah, so shout out to... That was a really uh, good way to finish that. Shout out to Katie Strang of The Athletic, who was mm-hmm. on the the uh, investigative journalism team from The Athletic, who kind of broke this story. Um, it is... I the, the amount of money is quite staggering. And I do like the fact that he didn't try and make it super covert. Do you think <laughs> once he got past $10 million, he was like... Like, he was like, I'm getting caught, so... Let's really go. He for bought it here. a country club membership. Like at a certain point, like you're flaunting everything that's going on at that yeah. point, right? Because the po- a large part of being at a country club is going to it and being out in the general public. In, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like what you, what you hiding even, in plain sight. People are like, what do you even do for the Jaguars? Yeah. <laughs> I do stuff. Are you the quarterback? Chartering private jets. I mean, if you're gonna go, I guess if you're gonna go big, <laughs> go big, right? That's the that's the answer. Uh, Kevin on the road. What we learn? I'm still angry about the New Jersey game. I guess this means I care about the Canucks again. Yeah, it's good. It's good to be angry about losses. Remember the last few years there was a loss and we're like, eh. It's not so bad. Good. Better draft positioning. Uh, what we learned, uh, I like this text from Lunch with Gary. What we learned, Kuzmenko is the new Kyle Wellwood. They're better when they're a little rounder. <laughs> Can we throw waffles on the ice next goalie scores to encourage him to get back to his more productive, chubby ways? Yeah, we've had this conversation and mostly we're joking, but I feel like there's like a bit of truth to it. Like Steve Bernier, I thought he played better when he was a little. He was a little rounder. Chunkier. Yeah. A lot of goalies uh, maybe bulk Welly, up and they start to struggle. I, I think, so, you know, maybe maybe Kuzi's just hungry, man. Is he too Imagine rich? Imagine talk just gives him a Twix and he scores a hat trick. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. might just be low blood sugar. Is that all sugar, it was? Right? It's a Snickers. <laughs> it's like Snickers. I yourself. Yeah, it's sometimes, I, I mean, my diet, I, my blood sugar goes up and down because my diet is awful and sometimes I just need a Snickers. Do you ever eat on the bench or have you ever like slammed a Coke? Like Phil Kessel. Uh, yeah. Can, no. Can, never? No, but Kessel has definitely like water bottle, right? Yeah, I've had like a Coke on the way to a game. What about pickle juice? Pickle You're, juice for people, what? People chug it um, on the bench. You, oh, I don't, for it's not why? a lot of salt in it, electrolytes. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is I the, don't know if I could do that. Who is the NHL player that did that? Was it Blake Coleman? Uh, Eric Halla? No, it, was, it wasn't Halla. It was a guy that used to play for the Devils. I can't remember his name. Because uh, I, well, there's the infamous picture of. Zidane Chara crushing a Coke mm-hmm. mid uh, mid game, right? Yeah, it's what all the best athletes do. He, he, he would eat the can yeah, too, yeah. though. <laughs> the whole thing down. His that throat. should be the chant for Kuzi. Let Coleman. him eat. It was Blake Coleman. Let him eat. Oh, the man. guy was, he's on the bench. Like yes, let me <laughs> eat. Let me eat. I love tweaks. <laughs> okay, we got to get out of here for today before we do any more damage. On the side, will... do not throw various food groups at Kuzmenko. We will be back tomorrow where it will be Ask Us Anything Friday. We're giving away a $100 gift card to AJ's, and we're going to have a Canucks game to talk about. Canucks Wild, 7 o'clock tonight. Enjoy it, everybody. But for now, we got to say bye-bye. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.